Welcome to the Others and Brothers Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. Together, we We are are the Marsh Brothers. Howdy, everybody. It's Jacob, your co-host of the Brothers and Others podcast. We wanted to give a quick shout out today to Michigan State University, as we know how difficult the past few weeks have been for our entire Spartan family across the globe. We are sending all of our love and positive thoughts towards you and everyone needing a speedy recovery. Uh, We hope everyone is doing okay up there. And once again, we just want to make sure we let everyone up there back in East Lansing know how much we're thinking about them right now. Uh, We have a great podcast for you today with the one and only Ryan Nani. You may know him as the dude with the Eddie Murphy PFP on Twitter, a member of the Shutdown Fullcast crew, a Bloomin' Onion aficionado, or an accidental Eagles fan. We were lucky enough to be able to chat with Ryan about family life, the upcoming NFL season, and an unbelievable quote zone session. We hope you all enjoy it, and as always, we'd love to get some feedback from you guys. Please make sure to hit us up at brothersmarsh at gmail.com. Quick last note before we get started, we wanted to give a massive warm welcome to all of our friends abroad tuning in. To our German friends, we say grüß dich. To our Romani friends, we say buna. And to our Polish friends, we say cześć. And lastly, to the rest of our international squad, we are so excited and thankful to have you all lend us your ears and time. We would love to hear from you guys. We have 22 countries representing. Wow. And now, without further ado... Welcome back to the Brothers in Others podcast. I'm your co-host, Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host, Jacob Marsh. And we got our guest today, Ryan Nani. Ryan, how are you doing today? Uh, I am am fantastic. How are you both doing? Uh, No complaints. We finally got some sun down here in Dallas, so worked on my tan a little bit walking the dog today, (laughs) so no complaints whatsoever. Nice. Yeah, we're happy to have you today, Ryan. Um, wanted to jump right in here. We haven't done an episode yet since the Super Bowl. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, how you felt the Super Bowl went this year. <sighs> uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I know it might be a sensitive subject, somewhat. Um, I've had some, I've, I've had a little time to cope, so I think I can, I think I can <laughs> talk about it in a calm and collected way. Um, I think my, my biggest takeaway is that it, it was, a, it was just a real bummer to be told for so long how good Philly's defense was and how, how many problems it was going to cause Pat Mahomes. And I don't have a problem that like, Ultimately, Pat Mahomes won. He's awesome, and what they do with him in that offense and the weapons around him is a lot of fun to watch. So I don't think there's any shame to, like, oh, you weren't able to stop a generational talent. 
I think it's more just like, oh, like you didn't sack him once. And frequently he in the second half, like faced no pressure and had no problems moving the ball and didn't have to like he didn't really have to do anything super magician wise, at least as a passer. He had some big runs that were impressive. Um, so it was just kind of a bummer to sort of think that one particular matchup was going to be this like really interesting, really fierce thing. And it was just like, didn't pan out that way at all. On on the other hand, Jalen Hurts played great. Um, thought he was exceptionally poised coming back from a like real boneheaded and real unfortunate turnover. Um, and overall, like, just ha- just was a lot of fun to see him stand out so well and show out so well um, and, like, handle the loss reasonably well. Like, more more legit Eagles fans than I are much angrier and sadder and unable to talk about this, and I get that. I understand why. Like, it sucks to see your team blow a lead. It sucks to see your team, like, completely fold on one side of the ball in the second half. I, I, I understand where they're at. Now, you said, like, more legit Philly fans. Are you not a lifetime Eagles fans? Is it more of a recent fandom for you? Yeah, this is a thing I just sort of, like, picked up as a joke maybe, like, two or three, <laughs> two or three years ago when the Eagles were not that good because I like I like their sort of chaotic energy, both as a fan base and an organization. Um I really enjoyed when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Um, oh, God. It was just, everybody did. Right, right. So I was just sort of like, oh, this is a fun thing to sort of adopt as, like, an online goof. But then I, like, got too deep into it, and now I, like, actually care about the Eagles, which is a thing I have to figure out in the offseason. Like, is that, how? what is that decision like? Uh, it really crystallized for me when um, – my oldest, who is six, the day of the Super Bowl, she was like, Dad, will you get me an Eagles jersey? And I was like, uh-oh. I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should like, start passing this down. This is, this is maybe where the bit has gone too far. Uh, yeah, what, what, uh, what do you think the long-term outlook for them is, though, after the Super Bowl? Do you think that really changes their plans in terms of how they were going to move forward? I, I know both of the coordinators left already, but... I'm interested to hear what you think is going to happen, especially uh, on the defensive side. I know they have quite a few free agents uh, out and about, as it were. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think they I think they're actually in OK shape because while they do have some salary cap stuff to figure out and they do have they know they're going to lose some players, the defense, at least um, in the front four and front seven had a lot of depth. Like this got talked about during the game, how they traded for, I think it was Robert Quinn from the bears. And he like basically hardly played for them because they just, not because he stinks because they just were like, well, we don't really have necessarily the rotation for it. So I think they're not in a spot where it's like, ah, shoot, we, we have nothing behind the people who are leaving potentially in free agency um, and more, more to the point, I think they've done a really good job managing their draft capital, not just with who they've drafted, which I think they've done a really good job in the last few years, but, um, in acquiring 
in smartly acquiring picks. So like trading trading with the Saints last year to pick up an extra first rounder that they get to use this year. Um, I, I think they'll be okay. Will they be able to come back and exactly run it back the way they did this year? Probably not. But I, I think they are in enough of a sustainable place where they can – they have one more year, I think, to say, like, okay, that's when we have to start making super hard decisions potentially. But I feel okay about it. Like, I think it was a well-constructed team. I think it was a well-coached team. And I'm not like staggeringly worried that those things are just going to fall apart super quick. Yeah. And it actually leads really into one of the next questions we wanted to talk to you about. So before last season began, I mean, maybe you did, but I know a lot of the national media were not very high on the Eagles, especially making the Super Bowl. I'm sure right. plenty of te- people had. Pick them to win the division. You know, everybody's always going to pick Dallas every year. They're the yeah. Notre Dame of of professional football. But yeah, um, what what are you looking for next year for the kind of surprise Super Bowl or surprise playoff team? What are some of the teams that you're kind of looking at? Oh for gosh, this upcoming season. Um, I, I'll I'll tell you. I I think I'll give you a whole division. The NFC South was in. excuse me, such a weird place and now has so much change going on. Carolina, you know, uh, is basically turning everything over and bringing in a new coach. I don't think that's going to like turn anything right away, but I think that it at least is an interesting story to watch. Yeah. Um, New Orleans is still figuring out post Drew Brees life. Um, And I think, for a variety of reasons, injury uh, among them, they like didn't really get a chance to figure that out right now. Atlanta is sort of in a like what's happening sort of. I don't think there's rumors, but people are sort of saying, okay, Lamar Jackson is if if the Ravens are going to move Lamar Jackson, that's a destination that he can make a lot of sense, and that's the kind of move where it's maybe that is the kind of thing where Atlanta goes from team nobody's picking to do anything to Super Bowl dark horse. And then the Bucks uh, obviously have lost Tom Brady. A lot of questions what they'll do at quarterback as well. But, like, they have a lot of interesting pieces that whoever steps in there will get to be a part of. Um, so I think just, like, that division will be interesting to watch. I reserve the right a month in to be like, oh, no, this is t- – like. They're all still oh, figuring out this yeah. is terrible. <laughs> I mean, so. hey, man, the, the Super Bowl was three weeks ago. I think right. You're twenty-four Super Bowl, and almost a year from now. I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty high standard. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you. Uh, somehow finagle Lamar Jackson, convince him to come to Indianapolis and just wreak havoc with Jonathan Taylor. I've been talking about this. I would love it. I would love to see him. I think the Colts offensive line for how poorly they perform this year. I really think they're due for a bounce back this upcoming season, just Mm -hmm. based on who's there. I mean, Quentin Nelson, he's my guy. So I'm going to keep supporting him and, 
the rest of the squad, but I would love to see Lamar with another run heavy style sure. offense. Um, and I, I personally think that I like the pieces that the Colts offense has to offer more than what the Ravens have. Uh, that might be right. Like, that's another situation where it feels like maybe this is true of both squads where uh, keeping guys healthy is one of the biggest challenges and just sort of figuring out, like, okay, are the guys you start practice with in week one, are you still – are you going to get to play 14 games, let's say, with that with that same first line? Um, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I, I'll t- I will say this. I would – be interested in that outcome if only because the like carousel of retread quarterbacks that the Colts have turned into in the last <laughs> like it's just getting progressively sadder and sadder and I just I, I don't know that I can keep watching it at this point. Like who is the next is it Andy Dalton potentially? Is oh, he the next person? I can you know what the fact that you just put it out there just tells me that's probably what's going to end up oh, happening. Man. I'm sorry. Outside of, gonna come out of the <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll trade for Aaron Rodgers and have a Brett Favre Jets type season or a mm-hmm. Brett Favre Vikings type season, but yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be shocked if that happened. I don't yeah. know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Jets, though, that was that was my team for next year. That's kind of my surprise playoff dark horse. Maybe sure. not Super Bowl contender for the AFC, but I just feel like they're really a, a, a B-plus quarterback away from uh, contending for the division. I have no clue what the Bills are doing. I thought the Bills were going to take a step up this year. I didn't really see it. Uh, it seems like the Bengals have kind of leapfrogged them as the second best team consistently in the AFC right now. And uh, yeah, I I guess we'll just see what the, what the season holds. I guess there are a lot of moving pieces in the off season too. So it should be interesting to see. Um, Who do you think, uh, who do you think Aaron Rodgers is and is going to end up uh, playing with? Or do you think he's going to play with, I guess? I, I, I think, the Jets feel like the like the most natural answer for whatever reason. Like, I I don't have a I could be wrong, and I feel like we've done this dance I don't know five times before. It's entirely possible he's just a Packer next year. Like, you know, they have this relationship has seemed irreparable so many times, and then they go out, and then he starts. All 17 games, you know, it doesn't really change anything. But there was sort of a vibe to that last game against the Lions that felt like, oh, this might be it. Um, Mostly, I think the Jets probably agree with you and feel like this is the move we need. Like, we have enough sort of talent in other places that we don't have that right now because they're on rookie contracts or – favorable terms or whatever we should try to strike while the iron is hot and it's not it's hard I mean other than Tom Brady going to the Bucks when he did like it's hard to get a veteran quarterback who isn't sort of like there's no tread left on the tire at this point and I think Aaron Rodgers did take some steps back this year but I'm not like totally willing to say like okay 
this is just like he's done he's washed or anything like that so that feels like the most natural destination it is also admittedly the one that would get aaron Rodgers the most amount of media attention which feels like an important factor oh he loves it Yeah. yeah he loves it do you think there's any credibility to the rumor that he wouldn't want to go to the Jets specifically because that's what Favre did is Packers and then Jets? I mean, I don't think he I don't think he cares about that specifically. Like I mostly because I think the situations were totally different. Like even in the, even when that happened, that was Brett Favre saying he was retired. Being told, you know, okay, Aaron Rodgers has the starting job. Like, I, 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 I don't. I feel like if that's the really the organization he wants to go to, that would be such a weird reason to shut it down. Again, it's Aaron Rodgers, so weird reasons are on the table. But like, I, don't, I, I think if it doesn't happen, it will be for something else, and that will just be like the interesting uh, trivia reason to glom onto. If you could only watch the NFL or college football for the rest of your life, uh, which one would you go with? Uh, I would pick college football. I, I enjoy the NFL a lot, um, but uh, I was talking, I was talking uh, on a podcast yesterday that college football and college basketball really are the only sports, big sports left where you can get like, huge crazy upsets where you can get David versus Goliath. And because, you know, talent levels have a wide level of disparity because programs have wildly different resources. History is what it is. Enrollment, like there's just App State beating Michigan or App State beating Texas A&M this year. Like these are just not things you can get in the NFL. You can have an upset in the NFL, but at the end it's still – you know, teams that have all the same base resources are working with the same salary cap. The difference is maybe how smart they are about it, maybe how lucky they are with injury or whatever. But there's really no, there's really nothing you can get in, in an NFL season where it's like, oh wow, this this like lowly team beat this mighty team and we remember it forever and it super matters. And and that to me is what one of the things that makes college football special is that you can get these like wild results that systematically you just can't see in professional sports. A hundred percent. Now, does that mean you think they should increase the amount of teams and expand the college football playoff? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I I have accepted that what I think about the college football playoff doesn't matter, uh, and that's an important <laughs> step for me. Um, I guess I guess I'm fine with Second. it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with it, and I this is such a weaselly answer. There are good parts and bad parts about it. I am not mad that we will get to see teams that normally have a much harder route to get in have an easier time. Like I am glad that a Cincinnati doesn't have to go undefeated in consecutive years and get a little help to make a playoff. Like I'm glad that those stories will get to be part of the postseason picture in a little bit more meaningful way. I don't expect it to mean 
like we're going to get a ton of good games, but that's fine. Like there, there has been no iteration of this, whether it's the BCS, the 14 playoff, the time before the BCS when you didn't even always have one playing two, um, where it was like, oh, it's, they're all bangers. Like the BCS had plenty of games where it was just like, this is a blowout. One team is just mashing the other. This is unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Um, the 14 playoff has done the same. The expanded playoff will do the same. And like chasing the idea that there is a playoff format that will be always entertaining, always close, always, uh, engrossing it's just it's folly so from that perspective i just don't find that to be a useful framework personally and i think too it's just frustrating and i was happy with the way it ended up this year but one of the things that for me is frustrating about college football is much to your point a team has to go undefeated the year before and then will somehow need to repeat it just to get a shot at the playoff. I don't right. want to see an 11 and 2 Alabama team that didn't even play an SEC championship. You didn't earn it. So, yeah, I would rather see TCU and Michigan. That was an amazing football game. Who yeah. cares if Alabama would have beaten both of them? That yeah. to me didn't matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I think for me at the end of the day it was pretty obvious that Georgia was the best team in college football this year. So, I don't really think it would have mattered had Alabama even made the playoff. I think no. they would have gotten stomped anyway. Maybe not quite as badly, uh, but whatever. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. Um, and I think, you know, piggybacking on top of your answer, too, March Madness is the greatest postseason ever. It literally cannot be topped because of the upsets, you know. Mm-hmm. The, la- the last best upset in the NBA was the, what, the 2011 Mavs beating – the uh, LeBron and the Heat, like right. that's probably. Yeah. I don't know, Sam. You can probably speak to that more uh, than I can. But I mean, even in the NBA, you really, if a team loses in the first round or something, that you know, it, even that normally doesn't happen. Is um, because when you're playing a seven game series, the better team usually it bores out over time because the strategies are just compounded and everything. You know, all the little things that these professional athletes do day in and day out, they study so much. You know, it's just so much more intense at such a higher level. And you just expect the outcome is just so much more expected. Um, I guess, you know, the NHL playoff is probably a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big NHL person, so that'd be tough for me to, to say. What did dressing up as the Bloomin' Onion mascot at the Outback Bowl mean to you, Ryan? Was that like <laughs> one of your crowning lifetime achievements? Picture of you framed up on the mantle place above the fire? There, there, uh, there is a picture of me uh, in that costume on on a wall in our house. Hell yeah! Uh, for like <laughs> That's three, amazing. For like three years, my daughter would look at it and be like, "Why are you dressed as a pineapple?" And I have to be like, "That's not what that is." <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but that's not what that is. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. It was um, highly unexpected, mostly because as much as I harangued and harassed Outback on Twitter and on our podcast 
to let me do it. Like they were not in, initially like super enthused about it. Like they, they were sort of like, Oh yeah, this is kind of like a thing that we do internally as like a corporate reward or whatever. And you know, maybe we could like do something on social or, and I, I just sort of stuck to my guns and I was like, yeah, I kind of just want to do the, the costume or, or nothing. Um, so I am I am glad that I wore them down. At the same time, having done it, I only did it for one quarter, the third quarter. And having done it for the third quarter, the costume is heavy and cumbersome enough that I I am glad that they weren't like, yeah, go ahead, do it like pre-game and for the entirety <laughs> of the game and in the press conference. Like I would have I would have been absolutely beat if the, if that had been the case. Now, Ryan, can you speak to what goes into a good quality Bloomin' Onion? What are the characteristics of one when you're going to bite into a Bloomin' Onion? What is it that you're looking for? Um, I think it's not – it's roughly the same thing as what you're looking for from an onion ring, which is you want something – you want sort of that good mixture of the onion itself is – in on the inside is cooked and – easy to bite through and doesn't necessarily have like a rawness to it. You want the batter to have, to be crisp. You don't want it to be soggy. You don't want it to have like cooled off so much that it's sort of just like flaking off. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not that similar from that. I, I think the trickier part is that when you get an, onion, when you get like a, a small order of onion rings or whatever, the clock is not working against you. You can sort of say like, all right, <clears throat> these have done their thing. I can sort of, you know, work my way through them, have my burger, have a drink, whatever I'm doing on the side here. The Bloomin' Onion is such a large thing that you do sort of have to, you have to act decisively. You have to eat it decisively. It's not a passive, uh, a passive time that you're spending with this food and you have to really be, focused and dedicated to, <laughs> to, to consuming this particular item. <laughs> how many do you think you could take yourself? down? Yeah. How, how many do I think I could take down at once? Yeah. At this point in my life, like, if I could make it through one, they're big. Like, they're not small. They're huge. I, the, I don't remember exactly what the calorie count is on them, but it's like, I think, it's a I lot. think That's yeah, I think at this point, if I like had like no or a very light lunch and I like went for a big walk or, or worked out, if I like got myself in the right place for dinner and I wasn't eating anything else, I think I could do it. I think I could just eat one. I wouldn't be happy about that choice. I want to be very clear. I would not like feel feel like that was the right decision. Yeah. It is a family style appetizer after all. A hundred percent. At your peak, what's the like the biggest thing that you've ever put away? Jake and I are kind of known for being able to eat a lot and Jake himself I have seen attempt. Uh, the hundred McNugget challenge twice. Uh, he ate seven Jimmy Johns in one sitting. Wow. Um, then he also tried to do like a 12 Coney dog challenge that did not end well. Um, 
Wow. I I don't know that I have anything even nearly that impressive in my history. I think our move, especially in college, was to go to CeCe's Pizza, which was a super cheap pizza buffet that we had in Florida. I think it's like $5 and you just go and eat. And it's you're getting what you paid for. Um, I think at one point we did have like a lighthearted contest. And um, I want to say I came in around like 19 slices of pizza. Oh my on God. That, on, that, on that time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my they're not, Lord. They're, they're not giant slices and they're not like, it's very, you know, it's like not super thin crust, but like, it's not, you know, you're not eating Sicilian or anything like that. Um, yeah. But that was that was also that was a day that I felt like oh this was a choice this is a decision I've made it's not seven Jimmy Johns though I mean <laughs> to be fair I was definitely not sober when that happened we were sure. in, we were at Central Michigan University which I don't know what you know about Central Michigan but it is quite literally in the middle of nowhere uh-huh. um, there's a reason why JJ Watt and Antonio Brown only stayed there for a really short period of time. <laughs> Chris Kamen, yeah, I forgot about Chris Kamen. Um, yeah, I, I'm jealous you guys had a CC's. We, uh, we, Sam and I both went to Michigan State, and our move was usually either Little Caesars Hot and Ready mm-hmm. or uh, Hungry Howie's had this thing called a Stumble Home Special, which a lot of people uh, took advantage of depending on where you lived on campus. And that was usually, I think it was like, what was it, Sam, a $5 pizza or something? Something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, and then for, like, a month or two, they had a $2 personal pan pizza deal, but they ended that pretty fast. Yeah, that's that seems like uh, just just the, the flood of orders you would get from that is like, oh, we can't keep up with the demand. Yeah, here. dangerous deal to offer on a campus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I know you've mentioned a few time uh, a few times about your daughters. Jacob actually is, now has a thirteen month old. Uh, is there any like dad advice that you would give for like new fathers like Jacob or soon to be fathers out there? Hmm. Uh, I have I have a couple of pieces. They are of varying use depending on where. I, I the thing I tell dads who are about to be is that for the first, I would say for the first, maybe let's call it five months to be safe, that you should get very comfortable with the fact that this is going to be a super one-way street. This kid is not, like, (laughs) we're just not, and that sounds obvious in some ways, but I think some people are like, feel like that they're going to have a baby and it's going to be like, they're going to have all these really adorable moments. And like, that's not always the case because new babies can't do anything like you can go online and see like what uh, you can see, like what a baby's vision is like at different points in their very early development. And like you are just a blur that hopefully they know like what you sound like and smell like. But <laughs> there's not like once you get to, I would say, the like four month, five month period They start to smile a little bit. They start to, like, interact with you a little bit more. And that's really fun. But you really have to, like, I think it's, I think you have to go into it understanding that, like, you are not, you're not going to emotionally get much back. 
at the, at the start. And that's because like, it's a very, it's a very much a like, Hey, you're still growing and developing. You are, this is still like a biological thing. And as long as you're cool with that, I, I just know some dads who have felt like disappointed or underwhelmed by the early stage. And I just think like, that's a mistake. Um, beyond that, I would say, uh, the two things I t- try to tell people are kids are like shockingly resilient in so many ways. Like, <laughs> like you really think like kids are super fragile and are going to need to, you know, really need to be guided all the time. But like, I swear to God, you see, you can see a kid fall, like fall off of a couch. I mean, like a two-year-old or a three-year-old here, not a three-year-old, obviously. Yeah. yeah, you can see this, and you'll you'll look at it and be like, "Oh man, that must really hurt." And some sometimes the kid will just like bounce up and be like, "Oh, fine, can I have a snack now?" And like, <laughs> if I fell off the if I just like rolled off the couch, I would be laid up for two days. Like I just be I just be out. I just be out. So so I tell people kids are resilient. Um, and the last thing, and I'll stop rambling here, is um, kids just it's it's I try to remember that kids are like grownups in that they have good days and bad days. And it's not something you can control. Like sometimes your kid's going to get up and they're just like in a bad mood and you can't like figure out, oh, what should we do about that? How do we fix that? How do we change it? Sometimes your kid is like super well behaved and has an awesome day and that's also not necessarily because like you crushed it and you were like an amazing caregiver and nurturer and all this and it's fine it's fine to be cool with that like in the same way that you would not take on the responsibility that your partner or your roommate uh or your coworker only had good days your kid's not just gonna have good days and that's fine that's just how life works and it's true even when they are very small. Those were amazing piece of advice, Ryan. So thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, wanted to add on a quick story. It was really funny. You were talking about uh, falling off of a couch. Because mm-hmm. Coincidentally, um, when Sam and I were younger, we were watching the Winter X Games, and I had told him that I we had to have been four or five years old. There's only an 18-month difference between Sam and I, so we're thick as thieves as far as siblings go. And I had told Sam, I was like, oh, yeah, push me off the couch. I'm going to recreate this move, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he said something like, oh, are you sure? And sure enough, he did. I broke my arm. And, oh. uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But kids are resilient because I yeah. don't to the ER that night, I ended up waiting to tell my mom about it the next day. I think that was the the part of the story. Um, the other thing that was interesting for me in that first few months was one, the lack of sleep and just like the comatosing myself with caffeine to sure. up sure. <laughs> and, and trying to make sure that I could be there um, when when my son needed me to be, but also just the amount of diapers that kids go through, it is just absolutely incredible. They're just poop and pee machines just yeah. constantly. It, it's, it's like something out of a movie. It's so insane. 
I was just blown away. And then, of course, it got to the point where I'm actually happy when I'm seeing my son have a bowel movement because I know that means he's healthy and the doctor's <laughs> giving me all these weird looks like, uh, yeah, she's like, so how many dirty diapers? And I'm like, Oh, he has eight dirty diapers. You right. know, he's doing right. this, he's doing that. Right. And, uh, it's just, but that's part of being a parent. Like you were saying, it's just, it all makes, it all makes this worth it. It's also rewarding. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm already looking forward to the next one, even though, uh, you know, it feels like I just got through the, the war part of the first uh, six months with this one, but yeah, yeah man, kids are great. It, it's, um, you, you don't realize how much time you'll spend looking at another person's butthole until you have a baby. And then, <laughs> <laughs> it's really stark. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, is there something you guys both as dads are looking forward to like doing or showing to your kids when they're a little bit older, whether, you know, be like teenager, or, like college age. Is there something like that's been in the back of your mind? Like, oh, I can't wait until you're old enough and I can do this or show you this. Hmm. It's it. You know, it's interesting because with a six year old, I've sort of tried to start these things and. I have found, and maybe she's just super, she is super strong. Well, there's no maybe about it, but like <laughs> what I want, or this is not a kid that I'm going to mold in my own image. And that's fine. Like she knows what she likes. She's like good about trying new things. But like, if I, if I have said like, Hey, I like to play tennis. Do you want to, you know, I can sign you up for tennis camp or tennis lessons or something like that. No zero interest and i'm just sort of like all right i'm just not going to push that at other points like she really enjoys attending sporting events um and i will say if you live if you have like youngish kids and you want to take them to a sporting event and you live anywhere near a college of really any size that has ncaa or naia sports that's like the best entryway. Like we live pretty close to Vanderbilt and I haven't taken her to a football game, but I will definitely, we definitely go to like holiday break Vandy basketball games because they're super cheap. It's easy to get good seats. It's not going to be crazy crowded and they're at like normal times of day. It can be like, okay, we're going to go to this basketball game. that's at like two on a Saturday. Um, and it's a, it is a very, it's also the kind of thing where I'm like, if we go to see Vandy basketball at two on a Saturday in December and she wants to bail after a half, I'm fine with that. This isn't that crucial <laughs> to me, you know? So that, that is my other, that's my tip is if you want to sort of dip your toe into taking your kids to sports, local college, not like top shelf, like if you live near Alabama, take them to a gymnastics, <clears throat> a gymnastics meet or something like that. That's still going to be like a, a bit of a ticket to get or whatever, but it's not as crazy as a football game or something. Yeah. Um, hmm, what am I looking forward to? Well, I, I think two, the two biggest things for me, I want to swim with my son in the ocean. I'm really looking forward to that I don't know when he's going to be able to do it. He loves the water yeah. right now. He is like a freaking shark. You get this kid in the pool and he is so happy all the time. 
it's really weird because we did, we've been doing swim classes with him since he was really little, about eight or nine weeks old, mm-hmm. I think. And his favorite part is when is the swimming underwater. Mm. So he likes to actually swim underwater. You can always tell when he's done though. And when he's ready, because he'll stop kicking his legs underwater. That's the little signal. <laughs> up where he's like, Hey, it's time. Let me breathe. <laughs> like I'm not kicking anymore. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I cannot wait until I can explore Dragon Ball Z with him. So when I was growing up, that was just my absolute favorite anime of all time. It still is. But obviously right now, way too many bright lights, flashing stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably not the best thing to expose him to. But I'm very excited for to expose him to that, see what he thinks, you know, and, and just kind of let him let him have free reign over whatever it is that inspires him. But at least, you know, late night on a Saturday or something, sitting on the couch watching it with him, like, hey, you got to watch this with your old man. We'll see how you like it. And then, uh, you know, hopefully he will. But if he doesn't, you know, that's okay, too. Uh, I'm kind of like you. Like, I want him to swim, but not because I want him to be some, like, amazing athlete, just because I, I know how much I love the water. Right. And I know that he'll enjoy it. And it's a good life skill to have, so... You know, but yeah, no, I think that's totally reasonable. And and taking your kid to the ocean for the first time is really cool because like it, you do get that moment where they're like, holy shit, what is this? This is wild. Yeah. Um, I, the one thing I am looking forward to is being with both my kids. I have a, I have a uh, a son about about as old as your son. Um, I'm looking forward to the age where I can just like beat the hell out of my kids at a board game or card game <laughs> and, and not, and not feel any remorse about it. Not have to like pull up, not have to like be gentle about it. Just be like, Oh man, just absolutely smoked you. You suck at this. I am the Scrabble King. I just had PTSD from like ages five through 15 <laughs> they pop back up into my head right now um it's funny you mentioned that my uh sam had one of his buddies over one time and it was right after we got a playstation 2 and we were playing madden and uh my dad was getting his ass whooped by mm-hmm. sam's buddy and uh all of a sudden the playstation accidentally got unplugged somehow so they had to restart <laughs> the game and of course after that my dad just smoked the rest of us three games in a row and i'll never forget that moment because even then i knew at the time i was like hmm i'm pretty sure you did that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> this was the same guy that would also cheat at candy land if he was starting to lose when we were in oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's like they're not really paying attention. They don't really have the firmest grasp of the rules. I can get away with this. Yeah, anything to win. Plus, I mean, it's not cheating if you don't get caught, I guess. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, did you, by chance, uh, bring a quote for uh, the quote zone, Ryan? Yes. Let me find it. Hold Yay. on. All right. So this is... All right, so so this is a tricky one because it's a little a it's a little bit long, <clears throat> and it is a translation from and I'll tell you it's a translation from French. 
Ooh. Mm. Uh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> we shall enter the career when our when our elders are no longer there. There we shall find their dust and the trace of their virtues, much less keen to survive them than to share their coffins. Wow. Damn. Oof. Um, damn, Sam, do you have any clue? Uh, I'm going to say Montesquieu. This is from the French national anthem, La Marseillaise. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is not, it is not from the portion that you normally hear, like at the World Cup or at the Olympics or whatever, but the full version of La Marseillaise has something called the children's verse. And the whole, the whole, like, the whole of the song is extremely metal. Like, it's all about, like, in the first verse, in the verse that they sing, uh, some of the, some of the last words are, do you hear in the countryside the roar of those ferocious soldiers? They're coming right into your arms to cut the throats of your sons, your women. That's in the national anthem. But, to me, what stands out is that there is this whole verse that is for children to sing. And the theme of the children's verse is we will be like our, we will fight like our parents have fought. And our goal is not to like honor their memory. Our goal is to join them in the grave because we will either avenge their deaths or we will follow them into that same fate. And they want oh kids, they want French kids God. to sing this. It's incredibly metal. Was this That's written amazing. during like World War One or something? Jesus um, Christ. Let me, let me, let me, so it's written in 1792. Wow. Um, okay. And it, it is sure after, it is after the declaration of war by France against Austria, but it is, it is very much a like, uh, a big part of fr- revolutionary France for sure. Is that your favorite time period? I don't know if it is. I, I there are parts of there are parts of the French Revolution that I think are fascinating, but like <clears throat> when when you gave me this assignment, I I already knew I was like I'm gonna give them the children's verse from La Marseillaise <laughs> because it's, it's also just because you hear it in French and like it's like I think it's a good anthem musically like mm-hmm. it has something to it but you don't. Because if you're not a francophone, you're like, I don't know that it's about all this, like, incredible, like, bloodshed and battle and, yeah, it's just. like their parents, yeah. Yes, never yes. Oh, years. It is, it, like, the whole theme of the song is, we, if, if you, in, in this case, if foreign armies invade us, we will all tr- we will all rise up into one national fuck you up army from from the <laughs> oldest to the youngest and we will make your life hell until you leave or all of us are dead Jeez. that's just just very intense yes. really intense yeah yeah. Really intense. Can you imagine yeah. if the U.S. rewrote theirs now and it was something like that? Well, you, well, you think, like, oh in your head, Lord. you're like, oh, the U.S. anthem's like, you know, there's bombs bursting in air and all that. But, like, it's... It's, it's, it's not a call yeah. to arms for kids. No, there's no, part, there's no part where it's, like, kids, 
get your knives. We're going in. Yeah. Yeah. That's Fox News. Oh, that was a really good one, though. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What'd you bring this week, Jake? Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I, you know, sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. And I just hope I find it along the way. Too easy. Michael Scott. <laughs> Too easy. But I just had to say it because that is, it just speaks to me because that is the reality of the world that I live in, in my brain. I will start talking, and sometimes I don't know what's going to come out <laughs> until after it's out there. And yeah. It just happens that way. Um, it makes for some really interesting storytelling. Uh, I have this unfortunate habit of telling a story, and Sam, you know, a couple minutes in, will just say something along the lines of, mm, yeah, great story, man. And then I'll just, you know, silently kind of slink into the corner a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure having an infant has really helped, helped you in this regard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely have to think a lot more about what I say. Cutting down on the, on the swearing around him has definitely yeah, been a challenge. Sure. Yep, um, yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just, sometimes I'll just try it. Really the biggest thing I try and, kind of just talk out loud what I'm seeing and what I think he's seeing. And then I have to stop myself because sometimes I'll think something inappropriate in my head and then I'll start to laugh. And then I'll think everyone else is laughing at the same thing I'm laughing at. But then <laughs> I'm the only person thinking that. So it turns out to not be funny at all. This is very challenging for you on a day-to-day -day basis. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just another day in the life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one I brought is, uh, hey, how old are you? What that's from? Can you repeat that? I didn't hear it. Um, hey, how old are you? The party. From a movie. It's from Superbad. Uh, yeah, hey, very nice. Wow, good poll. And I think it's, I don't know who's the person asking the question, but McLovin is the one that says I'm old enough to party. Yeah, fucking Fogel. Fucking Fogel. McLovin? <laughs> Dude, McLovin. Yeah. <laughs> Hill, like, going into it, like, as soon as he saw uh, Chris Minster Platt, I forget his name, but that's kind of close to it, apparently just, like, hated him from the get-go and that's why like it comes across so well on screen is like he legit did not like him whatsoever did that change or is that just sort of like no nope, just hate him oh uh, i don't know i'd have to double check i just remember it was one of those like you know 10 years later deep yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. and the that's what uh apato was just talking about i was like yeah no they really did not get along even <laughs> nothing to do with them. <laughs> uh my word of the week was uh boondoggle do either of you guys know what a uh, boondoggle is i don't know that it, i could define no. it but, but i could use it in a sentence i think but I'll, I'll let you i'll let you take it 
Yeah, it's a work or activity that is wasteful or pointless, but gives the appearance of having value. Oh, all right. So Skip Bayless is performs Boondoggle King of 24/7. <laughs> yeah, King of the Boondoggle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Skip. <laughs> oh man. What I'm sorry, uh, I'm just did laughing you at Skip Bayless. <laughs> Um, my word is anti-penultimate. Wow. Mm, what is that? It's, uh, what's the penultimate is the second to last, right, Jake? So then anti-penultimate would be like the second one or the last one? Hmm. I give up. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and- you're, you're, you're on, so it's A-N-T-E, not A-N-T-I, and I probably should have said uh, that part. So, so you were on the right track. It is, uh, what would that be? Like, second to last, or, or, th- or third last, I guess is how you would put it. Um, so yes, if penultimate is next to last, anti-penultimate is the one right ahead of it. So, uh, if we're talking about, the NFC East, the Giants finished in the anti-penultimate position. That's a good one. Although some people would say if you're not first, you're last. That's that's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. you uh, Jake? I had the word diphthong, a diphthong. It is a sound formed by the combination of two vowels in a single syllable in which the sound begins as one vowel and moves toward another. So the best examples and the easiest ones, words like coin, loud, coin and loud. So the two vowels are together and the sound begins with one vowel and it moves towards the other. So for coin, it's O-I and then loud, it's O-U. So this is this is a very satisfying word to say as well. It is. It sounds it sounds like subvertly sexual in a way, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why, but yeah, dip thong. I guess it's a thong, really. I mean, yeah, sure. It's it's, (laughs) Cisco has won, as he always does. Well, Ryan, thanks again for coming on to the podcast with us. We really appreciate it and uh, wish you the best of success. Uh, where can everybody find you if they want to hear more of you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Celebrity Hot Tub. You can listen to uh, even less informed sports opinion than what I've offered you today on the Shutdown Fullcast, which you can get wherever you find podcasts, which is just what you say. But I, I feel like at this point telling people wherever you find podcasts is like, yeah, we're not dumb. We yeah. don't need that much help. It's going to be on Spotify or Apple anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You can figure yeah. it out. I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, just you know, Google.com and shut down Fullcast and, and Ryan Nani and yeah, you'll get there. Go. You'll you're you are you are capable and you don't need your.
Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's That's it for now. now. Until Until next time. time.